Welcome to Blue by 90. On this week's episode, we're joined by special guest Michael Spath from Inside the Huddle on WTKA and WolverineDigest.com. We talk about what the season could look like now with a Big Ten Conference-only schedule, Harbaugh's comments about the upcoming season and COVID and the media's reaction to them, and also who we could see step up and have a breakout season this year. We'd also like to announce the winner of the Michigan Jordan football cleats from our giveaway contest on Twitter and Instagram. The winner is Steve at Mays House on Twitter. Thank you to everyone who entered and congrats to Steve. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Blue by 90 and look out for the next giveaway coming up soon. Also like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. You can find us there at Blue by 90 podcast. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. This is the University of Michigan. Welcome to Blue by 90, your Michigan Wolverines podcast. We are three dudes who talk maize and blue. I'm Kalen, joined by Jack and Roe. Guys, how are we doing this week? Doing well. We're doing good. It's it's Friday. It's been 99 degrees for a week straight here, it <laughs> seems like. But it finally rained a little bit here, so we're good. Yeah, Roe, you've been, what, getting out early before the sun comes up or what? I know. I'm not tomato face. Isn't that it's wild, isn't it? So the, the red has turned into a nice tan. I mean, some are calling me a bronze god. I wouldn't say it, but I've just heard it from people as I've been walking down the street. It's it, it's row like w- looking in the mirror in the morning in the bathroom brushing his teeth. Like, You're a bronze god. You're a bronze god. <laughs> I've I've got perfect lighting in my bathroom, so I've you know <laughs> s- situated it so it it just has a nice golden bronze reflection on me. Dude, lighting's everything. I'll like take my shirt off in my bathroom and I got these rolls, but the way the lighting hits, it looks like a six pack. <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Never I'll never use another bathroom again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, another good news. I mean, Jack, you got married last weekend, so congrats on that, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Congratulations, Jack. That, or I mean, did we lose him? Or is, yeah. is this it? <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. Now. I'm not allowed to come back. This is my last episode. This this is, I mean, this Heather's barged in on every episode. So I feel like now, you know, she has you locked down. So she's going to keep coming in more and more and more. I know there's no repercussions now. Exactly. You can't leave her. (laughs) Too much paperwork, too much money. (laughs) Yeah. Next time she barges in, ask her for her zero to 90. I'll have have to put her on the spot. She's like, hot take. This is stupid. Stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, um, what do you say we move on to our uh, um, the rest of our show with our special guest, right? Our special guest this week is Michael Spath. Um, he's on WTKA 1050 Sports Talk. He's a broadcaster on Inside the Huddle, publisher Wolverine Maven, WolverineDigest.com. I mean, the guy is everywhere, so I think it'll be a good... Uh, Good interview. Yeah, and he actually, he's going to be instructing a class this fall. Well, 
hopefully this fall, depending on what's going on with the students. And I don't know how that'll affect it, but he's taking over for uh, John U. Bacon for some, oh, yeah. I think, history of collegiate athletics uh, class at the University of Michigan. So that's pretty cool, too. I'm, I'm excited to hear what, uh, what he has to say. Yeah. Those are uh, those are big shoes to fill for sure. John Bacon is a is a big name, and he's you know he's got the in with Harbaugh. I know for a lot of his books and stuff. I know Spath doesn't have uh, as good of a relationship with Harbaugh. I don't think, but <laughs> um, he still has some great things to say. I'm sure, and he knows you know he has a ton of knowledge about Michigan in specific and college football in general from all the years he's been around the program. Yeah, so stay tuned for our uh, interview with Michael Spath. All right, here we are with special guest, Michael Spath. Michael, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I actually really like, you know, you got Jack, who like, clearly his wife has designed what's behind him in the house. And <laughs> Kalen looks like he's like in his bedroom. And Justin's got the Ann Arbor bars uh, picture behind him, so he's either like in his like man cave, or or maybe he just litters that throughout his house. So I really like the backdrops. Everybody's everybody's screen right now. Yeah, I got. I'm in our guest room right now, which is clearly not designed by me, as you can yeah. tell by the, the fluffy pillows. I have, I have two pillows, and that's about it. Pillow behind Jack, like that's. That's right up your alley, man. That's where I assumed you slept there every night. <laughs> Only when I'm in trouble. And <laughs> there. And there. <laughs> well, Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Um, now, I know that you wrote a really good article this week that got a lot of traction. Um, specifically, um, it kind of had some stuff to do with uh, when football was coming back and some things that you were hearing. Um, and I just wanted to kind of ask you a little bit about it, and hopefully you had uh, something to elaborate about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting because when I wrote that on Sunday and I had talked to numerous sources, including uh, a couple of coaches at Michigan in the week leading up to that, you know, all that information I had at the time was the most recent information. And then in the last four days, so much has changed including the announcement today by the Big Ten that they would have a conference-only football schedule. Um, that is something that we talked about, uh, that I talked about with my sources. They thought there was a better chance that there would be a regional schedule, which meant that they would drop a couple of Big Ten games. They were certainly – the one thing that everybody I talked to was 100% adamant about was that there was going to be no Arkansas State game and there was going to be no Washington game on the schedule because Michigan was not going to travel out to Seattle and risk – you know, even though they charter planes, there is a, a, a greater inherent risk when you're flying, when you're staying in a hotel multiple nights. Um, that was not going to happen. And the other thing I was told was that the Arkansas State game, if you're going to cancel Michigan going out to Washington, you're certainly not going to allow Arkansas State to come down from or come up from, you know, way down there um, all the way up to Michigan and have to do the same type of thing that Michigan was going to do in Seattle. So those were the de definitive things that I was told. Uh, also told that there was a possibility of a regional schedule or that there could be an opportunity where teams might have to play um, other Big Ten teams twice just to fill out a schedule. Uh, certainly the announcement today made it definitive uh, that the Big Ten was only going to have is only going to have conference games. More talk has been about, you know, that they're going to front load, that they're going to kind of blow up the schedule right now as it stands. Um, and they're going to front load all of your your division games so that Michigan will play. Um, it's six, you know, East Division teams as quickly as possible in case. I mean, the fact that they they announced that 
tells you that, sure, they're not sure if they're going to start the season, but if they do start the season, they don't expect to finish the season with all their games. That's what that said to me today. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about what's going to happen, and and certainly um, my sources kept on saying, like, look, like this is what's going to have to happen for football season to take place at all. And I was hoping that they were going to be wrong. Today's announcement from the Big Ten seems like they were closer and closer to the truth, that they knew what was coming. And all of us are kind of left picking up the pieces and trying to figure out, like, what does this mean for college football? What does this mean for the Big Ten? And certainly what does it mean for Michigan? Right. And just to be clear, too, I believe that today they announced uh, that it was a 10-game conference-only schedule. Correct, guys? Mm-hmm. Well, they what? didn't. They didn't say the ten game, right? No, they, didn't say 10. they didn't say ten game. Okay. No, they've said conference only, which, you know, without being specific, I mean, right now every team is playing nine conference games. What I've been told is nine or ten. Uh, they'd like to balance it out with ten conference games, um, so they have five home and five away. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they've definitively said that yet. They certainly haven't said there's going to be twelve games. Uh, they haven't announced like when that schedule is going to take place, whether it's going to be the opening weekend or they're going to delay it a little bit. Um, I, I think they're going to try to space this out so that teams have time to adapt. Because one of the things that you guys are probably aware of, too, is people, kids are going to, you know, athletes are going to test positive for COVID. They've already tested positive for COVID. And the subplot of going on this season that I, I certainly think people are aware of a little bit is, there's going to be star players and big-time players that are testing positive for COVID at certain points in the season and all of a sudden have to sit out for two weeks. And so how was that going to – I mean, if you're Clemson and Trevor Lawrence tests positive for COVID, he's got to sit out for two weeks and you're playing Florida State and, I don't know, Notre Dame, right, on on your schedule back-to-back, like that is a far bigger impact on you than if your backup left tackle tests positive for COVID and has to sit out for two weeks. And yeah, right. yeah, we we've actually go ahead, Jack. Well, I was going to say, I know we've talked about it before, where you know our running back room seems to be pretty deep this year, and same with the, uh, I mean, quarterbacks. We have two quarterbacks. Nobody knows who's going to start yet. I mean, that puts Michigan in a better situation. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen. But in this scenario, that could be helpful to us, where it might hurt other programs. Well, yeah, I mean, every team's going to probably look at their positions that they're stronger and weaker at right now. I mean, if you're looking at Michigan, you say, God, you know, the worst case scenario is a couple of players from a certain position group testing positive at the same time. And for Michigan, that would be defensive tackle. You know, yeah. if you had Chris Hinton and Carlo Kemp test positive around the same time, or even if you just lose one of those guys for two weeks, that's a significant blow to a, a position group for Michigan that is relatively weak still. Your quarterback you feel pretty good about, running back you feel good about, wide receiver you feel good about. I think offensive line is the other one. While everybody thinks that they're going to reload, what I've been told is that Michigan feels really good about six or seven guys on that offensive line. So if you were to lose two or three of them at one time, you know, that would be. So, I mean, that's a part of college football here that every program is going to have to deal with, right? I mean, it's going to happen to Ohio State. It's going to happen to Penn State. It's going to happen to Indiana. It's just a matter of does Michigan play Wisconsin in week Right now it's week four, but they play Wisconsin in week four with, you know, the majority of their best players, or are they missing three or four key guys and Wisconsin's doing okay. I mean, those are all the things going on. And, you know, frankly, if there's a college football season, we'll all be like, okay, talking about those issues. If there's a college football season, if there's not a college football season, then I mean, it's all just getting blown up anyway. 
Hey, so I've had, you know, talked to some people at Michigan as well in the athletic department, on the university side as well, um, and on the Big Ten conference side in their offices in Chicago. And I've gotten different messages from each of those. You know, some have said there's nothing different uh, now than it was two to three weeks ago. Some have said that they'd be shocked if there wasn't a season just because of the financials that come around with it. It powers everything in the athletic department and the Big Ten Conference. Um, and then another one said, the season is canceled. This is it right now. We won't have a season this fall, maybe this spring. So I think it's just it's just still so far up in the air that nobody knows. And the the decision today by the Big Ten to come out with a Big Ten only I could see that coming out and saying, okay, that's softening the blow when they actually do cancel the season in two to three weeks here or something. Um, but right now on July 9th, I don't know how they could say, you know, here's what we're going to have, here's what we're not going to have because of the uncertainties going into the next month or two. Well, I'll tell you two things that um, from two different coaches at Michigan that I was told in the last week. Uh, one from an Olympic sports coach uh, who is, uh, let's say, a fall, se- a fall season sport. Um, and this person told me that, uh, you know, that they have no desire to travel. They have no desire to go on the road. Um, this person said that if there is a season, the only, the only games that they want to play are all regional games that they can bus to, get on the bus, bus to, play the game, get off, get out back on the bus and drive back to Ann Arbor. And that was the only scenario where this particular coach felt comfortable putting, uh, you know, him or herself and the student athletes in a position where they felt good about it. And so if that's the case, I mean, that eliminates so much of these schedules. If all you're doing are regional games that you can bust to. The other one was from a coach at Michigan that coaches a winter sport and said, look, if there's no football season, there is only one other sport at the University of Michigan has a chance to play uh, this year, and that's college basketball. And they said if there's no football season in the fall, every other sport gets wiped out, and that's not a Michigan thing specifically. That is a across college athletics thing. So if you eliminate football this fall, then we're not talking about, God, we'll wait till we get to basketball season, wait till we get to hockey season, wait till we get to baseball season. We're maybe praying to God that college basketball takes place because nothing else is. That's brutal. Yeah. That's, that sucks. That's not good news. That's not good news. <laughs> what makes yeah. sense? Yeah. And, you know, the one other part too, and look, I, I bristle at, I bristled at this big time back in the spring when people, you know, you had the, you know, all up on their high horse saying like, well, it's just sports. Like, give me a break. Like it is just sports. It is not just sports, okay? First of all, let's start with in the in the professional ranks, you have people that make their livelihood off of it, right? I mean, athletes, you can say what they want that they're millionaires, that some of these guys make a hundred million dollars or more, but you've got you've got players, you've got uh, the front office, you've got scouts, you've got ushers, you've got all the people that are going to the stadium every single week that are making money off it. Now you come down to like the college level, you've got a lot of college athletes, let's face it, even a place like Michigan, where everybody wants to say that Michigan does everything the right way, most of these kids that are showing up at the University of Michigan have one goal, and that is to play in the NFL. It's not to get an engineering degree or a business degree 
or a law degree from the University of Michigan. It's to play in the NFL. And so you take away a college football season, and now their opportunity to play in the NFL gets hurt. So, like, there's that trickle-down effect. You guys have a podcast, Blue by 90, that you guys really love doing. If there's no college football season, your podcast is gone, right? Like, no one wants to listen to three guys talk about, like, the, the purple pillows behind Jack, you know? Like, my, my radio show is gone if there's no college football season because no one wants to listen to me talk about, like, oh, well, uh, you know, the uh, Major League Baseball are in the playoffs, right? Like, nobody cares about that kind of stuff. College football and NFL drive everything. And if there's no college football and there's no NFL – 50% of sports media jobs are gone like that. And the trickle-down impact is so significant. So when people say to me, like, it's just sports, I always want to be like, to you, I won't say it on your podcast, but I have some very strong language that I tend to use for that. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, basically, that's like, that's attacking, almost like attacking you. Like, that's your livelihood, right? Like, you you talk about sports. Like, that's your job. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, we'll have and, to start uh, firing up those TikTok beer reviews or something. Like that. <laughs> it hits home for me, too, because my girlfriend is the assistant director of game presentation for the Michigan Athletic Department. So even before we were talking about no football or football, it was fans or no fans. Mm-hmm. If there's no fans at a game, the game presentation and the fan experience doesn't matter, right? So we have so many jobs, so many examples right now, you know, right in front of our faces of how it really affects sports and how sports affect, you know, the livelihoods of so many people. I, I the the same source that was um, talking or said that the season would be canceled said that would be a one billion dollar plus loss for the Big Ten Conference if fall football is canceled. So yeah, there's a lot to that. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of jobs. That's a lot of livelihoods. Well, you know what? I was, I was curious about this when I was here coming here, all these people say, Oh, it's just sports. It's just sports. And I decided to look this up and I spent probably way too much time trying to find this, but I think that the sports industry is something like 2.8% of our gross domestic product in the United States. Now that's not 20% or 30%. But I don't know how many industries are probably more than, you know, 6% or something like that. So you eliminate 3% of the gross domestic product in the United States. Now, certainly across the economy, we've taken a lot of hits. But, you know, sports bars. I don't know what's your favorite sports bar that you go to in Ann Arbor. You know, one of my sponsors is the Pretzel Bell. The Pretzel Bell would go out of business. Um, you know, the big Pretzel Bell people. Big Pretzel Bell guys. (laughs) Buffalo Wild Wings would go out of business. You know, the Haymaker I mean, all these places would go out of business because most of their business is tied towards tied to sports. And so just think about that trickle down effect. And yeah, we'd all be we'd all be I hope you guys all have really good day jobs. Um, and, you know, Jack, I hope you married well. That's the that was the key to my life. Is I married really well. My wife has a great job. And so I have a sugar mama. So I don't need you know. <laughs> 100%. That was that was the first, you know, the first ingredient of that uh of that love right there. So yeah, yeah. I'm luckily I'll be okay. Kind or generous or loving or going to be a great mom or a great wife, will she be my sugar mama? That's all that really mattered, right? <laughs> I would, I would we'll love just... to see the look on your wife's face cuz I'm assuming she's right there in front of you. She is uh, none too happy at the moment. <laughs> we'll just hide this clip from Heather. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She'll have the same reaction, I'm sure. <laughs> now, awesome. has, 
now, Spath, I'm curious, have you heard anything about pushing the season back? Because I have heard some rumors about playing in April and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's more of a fan hopeful narrative than it's a realistic one. Um, it creates so many problems, you know, beyond like the NFL draft and beyond the fact that you play in a spring season and then what are you going to do? Are you going to move football permanently to the spring or are you going to play in March, April and early May and then turn around and play again in September, October, November? That doesn't seem like it really jibes really well. Uh, what I've also been told is that the money is just not there to do it. If you lose football in the fall, it's going to be really hard for any any athletic department to maintain uh, the, the, the the staff that is necessary to ramp up football in the spring. Um, you know, how do you pay for all these different things? And so I, I think the, the financial impact and the timing impact make it almost impossible. But that said, what's the alternative? You cancel football in the fall and then there's just no football at all until next year. I mean, what does that look like? How many, if that happens, the big, the, the question is, is what is, what does college athletics look like in the fall of 2021? How many football programs have survived? I'll tell you all the group of fives conferences are gone. All of them are gone. Um, the Olympic sports probably outside of baseball and softball, you know, hockey, which is quasi a revenue sport. I think they break even for Michigan. Most of those sports are, are like the Michigan has what 30 varsity sports right now. I think 25 of them would be gone like that. And then you've got title nine issues and you've got to like stay within, you know, federally legislated laws that say you have to be able to offer. So if that's the case, now are you cutting in order to like keep that in, in place? You still keep football, but you have to have 85 female scholarships. So you have a couple of female sports, but you can't have any more male sports. So hockey and college basketball are gone. I mean, this is what we're talking about here, folks. This is the this is the end of everything if there's no college football in the fall. And I know we've kind of talked about this too, is like this could possibly be an opportunity. It might get us into a whole different conversation. So Kalen, cut me off if you need to. But <laughs> what if it could be something where let's say they do move football to the spring for Michigan, that could be a better opportunity to play football in the spring rather than the fall, just weather wise. And then you move maybe let's say baseball and softball to the fall where there's a little transition there. I don't know. I, I, I'd assume that, Football players would kind of all see the same season, just kind of reversed, where it's colder in the beginning and then warmer in the end. But I know for baseball and softball, it'd be that'd be perfect weather in the fall. Not that we you know need to put anything around them because football is the is the breadwinner of Michigan. Yeah, I mean, if it were to happen, I, I think you'd get really creative with certain things. I think certainly Michigan baseball or baseball overall, um, you know, being played in say you started the season like the first of August, and you had August September, really nice weather in Michigan. October, you're trying to get, you know, finishing up because then you get to November and my God, um, could you imagine the, you know, the big 10 baseball tournament in November? I mean, it'd be as bad as it's as bad as the big 10 starting its baseball season in March, which it does right now a little bit. Right. So no, I mean, there'd be a lot of give and take. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. If football has to play in the spring, that's the only way that it can exist. That's the only way that it can make money is by moving to the spring. 
20 other varsity sports at Michigan and all the other varsity sports across the college uh, college athletics um, landscape would say, what do you need us to do? What, how do we need to adapt? Because they are all understanding that they don't exist without football. So if that means softball plays in the fall, if that means you know hockey plays in the middle of the summer, so be it. That's what's going to have to take place because everything revolves around college football. Very well said. Yep, we need college football. I know I need it in my life, and I'm sure yeah. all of you guys too. Um, so let's move on to our second down segment. Um, Harbaugh's presser. Um, he kind of had this quote that was very much like chopped up and taken out of context. Um, and feel free to jump in if I'm getting this wrong at any point. But I'm pretty sure to kind of paraphrase here, he said something in terms of um, we understand COVID as kind of a part of our society at this point. And when they say that, you know, when the officials come out and say we should not play because that will make things worse, we're going to do that because that's what we do here. But as far as I understand right now, they're not saying that playing football is going to make things worse and our guys want to play. So we're ready to play in the fall as of right now. Does that sound about right to everybody? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I think I think Harbaugh actually, if you watched the entire Zoom uh, teleconference or read the entire transcript, I mean, he struck a really strong chord. He, he said, I'm looking out for my student athletes. I'm looking out for my players. And and as long as they tell me, as long as our medical community tells me we can play, we're going to play. If they tell me we can't play, we're not going to play, and that's okay. But what – you know, we're all, I mean, I, you know, I'm part of the media. You guys are, um, as a podcast, I don't know if you guys consider yourself part of the media yet. You're trying to work your way up there. Uh, but I mean, we're our own worst enemy, right? Like all we want is more hardball access. All we want is more Michigan access. And then the very thing that we do is take a snippet of what he said, the very salacious part, and we turn it into yellow journalism where we just drop that. And we say, everybody, look what Jim Harbaugh said. And then two hours later, we come back and be like, oh, by the way, that's not really what he said. He said something else. Let me explain the whole thing. I thought there was a great example yesterday. And, and I don't want to identify the author by, by name. I don't think we need to do that. Um, he writes for The Athletic. We can go ahead and say his publication. But someone said to me, it's like you literally walking by and like dropping a match into a tinderbox and then be like, hey, everybody, look at this fire. Let me, I'm going to write a story about this fire that's going on. Does everybody want to read about it? I mean, that's what he did. So I had a, the way that I started my show today, I went for like 20 minutes straight just absolutely crushing this, thinking, talking about how unfair it is. Uh, it was. It was. I'm sure your guys thought of the same thing. I mean, that Harbaugh is not the easiest person to deal with in the media. Um, he's adversarial. But we don't make our jobs any easier by taking his his words and completely taking them out of context. And yeah, so Harbaugh is this guy, right, that doesn't allow anybody into anything, right? He never has been this way. He withholds information, whether it be, you know, we've seen the roster back in, you know, what whatever year that was. He didn't even put out a, a depth chart, you know, all these things. It's to that point for Harbaugh, but... I know why it's, it's because of things like this, right? If I'm Harbaugh and this is what's going to happen every time I talk, I'm going to sit my ass inside Shen Beckler Hall 
and not say a damn word to anybody. Why would you? I'm going to coach my team. I'm going to do what I need to do. But why would I go out and say more than I need to say to when it causes this much of a stir? And it's always twisted into something negative for him. Rarely, rarely, rarely is it twisted into something positive. It's because Harbaugh gets the clicks. I understand that from a media perspective. But like you said, you know, from a media person, and I heard you talking about this on your show this morning, you know, it really irks you because you want him to come and talk to you more. That that would, you know, help everybody. It'd be, you know, the fans want it. You guys want it. Everyone wants it. But then when he happens, you're not going to get more of that. No, and it's, I mean, look at, like, the things that he's been ripped for. He got ripped for being at uh, spring train with the, I think, the Oakland A's and being a first base coach. Uh, he got ripped for, you know, when people accuse him of not being for the student athlete, like, he took – three years worth of his teams on overseas trips to experience something like study abroad that they would never experience in their lives. And he comes back to the States and people are like, just win football games. Okay. Like nobody cares about like going to Ireland or going to France or going to Italy or just South beat Ohio state, just beat Ohio state. <laughs> you know, he, he, he does satellite camps with, you know, even if there was some recruiting opportunities for Michigan, he does satellite camps with a fairly altruistic idea of like exposing college coaches to student to, to high school athletes that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity, and he gets ripped for it. He suggests that there should be a automatic first time transfer um, for all for all uh, players as long as you're in good academic standing. He gets ripped for it. Um, he suggests that there should be a college football playoff that expands to eight or sixteen teams. And Jack Holes on 97-1 come out and say, like, well, the only reason he's saying that is because he can't make the college football playoff with four teams. Like, it is so utterly ridiculous. Whatever he says, he gets ripped for. And, look, there's one thing to criticize Jim Harbaugh for, and that's the fact that in five years he hasn't beaten Ohio State, he hasn't gotten to a Big Ten championship, and, frankly, what we all thought we were getting when he signed on to be the head coach in December 2014 um, has not come to fruition yet. That's what you criticize Jim Harbaugh for. The rest of this stuff is utter BS what the people are criticizing him for. Yeah, and all that underperformance to the tune of almost $8 million, right? I mean, when you're paying him that much, we expect him to capitalize too. I think that's another point worth mentioning. You know what? Uh, the money thing, I'll tell you, I've had this conversation a lot of times. I don't think the money thing is relevant at all because – Matthew Stafford at one point was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Why was he the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? Because that's what the market dictated. Jim Harbaugh is a Super Bowl appearing coach who's won multiple titles in the NFL, who had a great success at Stanford. If you would have come when, when he got signed in 2014, December 2014, you said, how much is Jim Harbaugh worth on the market right now as a college or NFL head coach? Everybody in this room would have said, I don't know, somewhere between 6 and $10 million. What is he making? $8 million. So I don't think when you say like, well, he should be, you know, you should have to demand something from him because he's making $8 bucks. That's what the market pays. Okay. It pays Jeff Brome a certain amount of money because he got courted by Louisville. It pays Ryan Day a certain amount of money because he proved himself after year one. It pays everybody what they're worth based off of what the market is. Now the market is about to change dramatically. And someone like Jim Harbaugh going forward might be worth four million bucks, but that's because the market is changing, not because of 
you know, what he's, what he's worth in that market. Okay. Well, that's a great point. I mean, you put the economic spin on it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he could, if he went back on the market, NFL teams would be offering 10 mil, you know, left and right. I would assume so. There'd be probably 10 teams out there that would offer that. So yeah, you're 100% right. And, and going back to, to what we were originally talking about here um, with his comments and everything like that, to me, I don't think it's that crazy that a guy that makes his living off of coaching college football is advocating for playing college football, you know, for himself. And then, like you said, for his player, advocating for these guys to play college football, whether or not, you, whether you like it or not, these guys make the, make a living off of college football and playing it, whether it's in the college uh, world or the next level. So it's not that crazy to me that a guy who makes his living off of coaching and playing college football wants college football to happen, you know, the, the virus aside or not. Mm-hmm. No, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, you know, we had Zoltan Mesco on my show on Wednesday and Zoltan um, you know, played, he, he got drafted, I think by the Patriots, at least at some point he played for the Patriots and he played for Bill Belichick. And he said, look, I got cut because I, you know, had a minor injury and I missed a couple of weeks and I wasn't, when I came back, I wasn't as effective as I was beforehand. And Bill Belichick's like, screw you. You can't help me win football games anymore. I'm dumping you. Even though Zoltan Mesco was making about $600,000, which is not very much money in the NFL, but he's like, gone. And, you know, what Zoltan said is in college football, if you are paying Jim Harbaugh $8 million, you're not paying him $8 million to be a great ambassador for Michigan, to graduate students. We can all, that's all, that's all hunky dory, but he's being paid $8 million because his value is that he wins football games. And so, yes, for him, he's looking at the season and saying, I want to coach football. My players want to play football. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes certain sense that he's advocating for a football season. But I will tell you what, I don't know Jim Harbaugh very well. Um, we're not buddy-buddy. Um, I know that, you know, the the Michigan football uh, department and the coaching staff doesn't really care for my criticism of their success. But at the same time, I mean, he is someone that, as an alum of the University of Michigan, I'm proud he's my football coach because he does look out for student-athletes. And if it comes – that they have to cancel this season, he'll be the first one to say this was what was in the best interest of all of our team, of our entire team, and I support it 100%. Very well said. I, I think we're all and Harbaugh supporters, right? We are, for sure. And, and going back to the players' side, too, you know, I, you had my cousin Craig on uh, the other week, too. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, cousin so, Craig is Craig Rowe and Justin Rowe are cousins? <laughs> oh yeah yes oh, yes okay. yep um yes yes we are <laughs> um but i'm the i'm the better athlete obviously i'm sure you can tell <laughs> you know, i mean by my what and... Pong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, i'm probably faster than him at this point he's he's gotten fat you know he's got to be he's got to bulk up for the cfl He's a professional athlete, and you're a better athlete than he is. Okay, sure. Okay, go ahead, Justin. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta have Spath on more often, just for, you know, like, just, just for this. I love it. 
Craig's probably gonna listen to this. He's gonna be like, "Are you?" He's gonna text me. Are you kidding me, man? Like, this is no joke. He's gonna fly out to me and be like, "All right, let's go one on one." He's that competitive. That'd be great content. We should do it. <laughs> At, uh, the his or his quote was, "Many players out there would die to play football, right?" Uh, and that is not, you know, I. It's, it's taken out of context a little bit because nobody would actually want to die for football. But these guys have worked their whole lives. I know him, and he has literally put in thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into film, into training. I mean, he was eating 5,000 calories a day in, ca- in college and just stuffing his face because he needed to put on more poundage. These guys have sacrificed anything for it. So they are willing to do a lot of things to make it to the next level and play this game. No, and that, that is what he said. I mean, is, is they're willing to sacrifice. And, and his argument was essentially that um, he said, look, if you told me that I had a risk of getting COVID because I was going to get together and train with my teammates, I would do it anyway. And he said, if you told me after week one that 10 of my teammates um, tested positive for COVID – Within an hour, I'd be at the training, um, you know, in, in, in the gym working out. And if you told me that guys were going to miss time because they tested positive for COVID, I would still be training. Because, like, that is the football mindset. That's the football culture that they're just geared towards. Football is all that matters, and we're just going to do everything possible to play football. So, yeah, that that is what his point was. And I'm... I think he would just kick Justin's ass in every in every competitive <laughs> event possible. All right, all right. We, we got to make this is happen not now. Get back to anything. <laughs> Video evidence. I I will say he. I agree with you. He would do anything for football because I've watched him crack ten raw eggs into a blender, blend it up, and just chug it. So yeah. He'd do anything to, to play football because that's what he was doing to try and gain weight. <laughs> but you haven't eaten raw eggs, a dozen raw eggs? I mean, come on. I, yeah. yeah. Come on, you haven't seen Rocky? Bro. Yeah. <laughs> this is why he made it to the NFL, and I am sitting here drinking a beer right now. Yeah, those raw <laughs> eggs better be in a beer bong, I guess, right? <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our third down segment. hopefully a much happier topic because in this world we're assuming that we're playing football and we're assuming uh that we're all watching football as well who do you think has the best chance to replace dpj and Tariq? which freshman will make the biggest impact this year uh spath what you got just about freshmen or or anybody that can replace them if you know somebody else i mean yeah because i'm not i'm not a I rarely, rarely talk freshmen up because I have seen freshmen, five stars come in, four stars. You know, you see a unheralded three-star from New York who Tom Lemming said the only chance he had a chance to play at a big-time school was to be a cornerback, and he ended up being the all-time leading rusher in Michigan football history. So I don't ever really talk about what freshmen are going to do. I'm more so focusing on the second-year players, the third-year players, and to me – I have an absolute – oh, man, this was going to sound really bad. I'm really excited about Giles Jackson. I think Giles Jackson is – you could understand where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> Giles Jackson is, is going to be the best athlete at the wide receiver position that Michigan has had since Steve Breston. And wow. I hope to God 
that Michigan uses Giles Jackson like Purdue uses Rondell Moore and that they didn't quite use Steve Breston well enough. I mean, I think the the thing that frustrates me more than anything else as a Michigan fan for the last 20 years covering this team, but even beyond that, is coaches who have an extremely superb talent and don't use that talent to the fullest of their ability, right? I mean, like someone like Charles Woodson finishes his school and you say, there's not anything else that they could have gotten out of Charles Woodson. You know, Brandon Graham finishes and you're like, damn, the guy had 26 and a half tackles for loss. He had more than eight sacks in three of his seasons. They ain't nothing else that they're going to get out of Brandon Graham. But Jabril Peppers finishes his school at Michigan. You say, they ran this, this guy as a freaking Wildcat quarterback five years after the Wildcat quarterback was no longer any good. They didn't do anything else with him. Like, that pisses you off. Rashawn Gary, they wasted his talent. Steve Breston was... Steve Breston was Percy Harvin. Steve Breston was Anthony Carter. Steve Breston was the most unique athlete Michigan had had in 20 years. And they were like, let's have you be a wide receiver on the outside. Sometimes we'll hand the ball off to you. Just a complete and utter waste. And so I don't want to see that happen with Giles Jackson. If they use him the way that they're capable of using him, this is a guy that should touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game. A game. Okay. He should be getting five touches in the backfield. He should be getting, he should be targeted 10 times as a wide receiver and just let this guy run wild. I think the stat I looked up the other day was in his true freshman year. Now, again, it was only about 20 touches, but I think like 25% of his offensive touches went for 20 yards or more. That's an incredible stat. And if he could, now you give him 50 or 60 touches in a season, maybe you say like, there's just no way that 25% of them are going for 20 plus yards. But I think if you truly put him in speed and space, Giles Jackson, Giles Jackson goes for 20-plus yards on 25% of his offensive touches. If that's 20 touches or 40 touches or 60 touches, that's the guy I'm excited about. So, so do you see Giles Jackson playing that slot position, or is he going to get some snaps you know, in the backfield or end around? You know, how do you see all, those, all that all yardage that. coming out? All of it. You take J.U. Chesson. Remember when J.U. Chesson was their end-around specialist? Give him those. Um, put him in the backfield and motion him out as a, you know, motion him out into the slot where the linebacker is now guarding, guarding him instead of a, a nickelback and let him try to exploit that linebacker. I, I will tell you what will happen. That linebacker will be like, dude, how did I get assigned this, this terrible assignment, right? Put him in the backfield. Hand the ball off to him. Um give him like pitches, you know, halfback tosses and and get a pulling guard out in front of him. Hopefully they have someone like Cesar Ruiz, a pulling center that can get out in front of him. Throw him the ball on bubble screens. Throw him the ball on, um, you know, the, the screen that they used with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones last year. Uh, throw him the ball on crossing routes. And you know what? Let him go deep too and try to exploit that matchup. I think you get him the ball in every way possible. I'm Josh Gaddis and – from you know having some conversations, I think Josh Gaddis is prepared to use Giles Jackson in a way that we've never seen a football player at the University of Michigan used. Maybe you'd have to go back to when Rich Rod first started and what they tried to do with Martavius Odoms, and Martavius Odoms wasn't super fast, and so they never really took off. They wanted to bring in Terrence Robinson and do things with him, but then they got like Denard Robinson, and they're like, hey, we got Denard Robinson. Why would we ever take the ball out of this guy's hands and give it to somebody else? 
Um, but I think you're going to see something very unique among uh, with this Michigan football team if there's a football season. Well, and you saying putting a linebacker on a receiver just gave me so many nightmares because we've oh, seen God. that on our defense against other offenses. So, um, yeah, if we could do that to other defenses, that'd be fantastic. Um, the other, the other couple guys that I wanted to highlight. So do you think, so Ronnie Bell was obviously used a lot last year. Do you think he can move to the outside, um, and be as effective or even more effective? And then do you think Mike Sainer still can be the guy that maybe moves in a little bit to that slot receiver, you know, when Giles isn't used? Yeah, I think they're the, the Saner still. The only difference between Giles and Saner still is I think Giles is a little bit faster. And God, like, man, he just seems to have that it factor. But um, Mike Saner still, in the, the brief instances we saw of him, what he looked like against Notre Dame, he looked really good. Uh, his ability to make some, you know, to wiggle a little bit and, and to create some space for himself. So I was shocked, honestly, that we didn't see more of Mike Saner still a year ago because the spring of 2019, he was getting the ball a ton. And then he disappeared from, uh, you know, disappeared from the game plan the first like six to eight weeks of the season. So yeah, I would expect to see more of Mike Sainer still. In terms of Ronnie Bell, yeah, I mean, why not put him on the edge? You know, he is six one. He does have the size. Um, he has been working out with Joe Milton. If Joe Milton's a starting quarterback, Ronnie Bell is like, dude, I got my Shea Patterson here. I got the guy who knows me. If it turns out to be Dylan McCaffrey, Ronnie Bell's like, oh damn. Well, I guess my days as being the number one receiver are gone because um, he hasn't spent any time with him. But at the same time, like, you know, Dylan McCaffrey's been working out in Colorado, so he hasn't spent time with Nico Collins or Giles Jackson. But, but yeah, I really like Ronnie Bell. I really like this receiver core. I really just want to see them utilized to the best of their ability because this could be the best wide receiver core in the Big Ten. But I feel like the last couple of years, and you want to go back even to, like, the Brady Hoke era, we have been seeing, like, this is a guy who's incredibly talented. Nico Collins' career receptions, his best season is 38 catches. 38 catches for that guy who every time you throw the ball to him, anywhere near him, he goes up and catches it. How does that guy have 38 as his best single season? How does that guy in the red zone, how is he not targeted every time you go to the red zone? Every time you go to the red zone. Like, I don't understand things like that. People always say that football is a very complicated game, and yet it's also a very simple game. I have a matchup advantage at this position. I'm going to use that to my, you know, I'm going to use that as much as I possibly can. And it seems like Michigan, maybe it's just because I follow them more than I follow Wisconsin or Ohio State or Indiana or Penn State, but it seems like Michigan literally goes like, oh, Nico Collins, he's better than any cornerback he's going up against. You know what we're going to do? We're going to use him as a decoy this whole game. Like, what is that? What? Preaching to the choir. I mean, he should – Nico should get a target on every four downs to me. Yeah. It, it blows and, – and, and that, I think, should be a deep ball because he comes down with – this is probably not a real stat, but like 90% of deep balls he comes down with somehow. I mean, well, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. It'd be really nice if a quarterback could throw him a deep ball where he doesn't have to stop and wait for three seconds, <laughs> and then jump ball to catch the ball, and then just go down. Oh, like, if you could get Nico Collins in stride, oh. he would have he would have had five more touchdowns last year if you hit him in the stride. But, you know, look, 
I'm not a huge Shea Patterson fan. I don't want to like kill the guy, rail against him. But here was Shea Patterson's problem is that he waited too long to throw the ball, and then he had a 50-yard maximum. 50 yards is not bad as a college quarterback, but he could throw the ball 50 yards. And if you look at every time he threw an Eagle Collins, the Iowa game, the Notre Dame game, the Penn State game, uh, I think the Maryland game at the end of the year, every single time he would wait, he'd wait too long, he would throw it 50 yards, Nico Collins would get there and be like, all right, I'll stop my route. I'll wait here. Okay, I'll jump up and get it. Like every single time. Yeah, can't have that. Yeah. If if, uh, if you checked our Twitter at all, which I'm assuming you didn't, but I posted a, a video of – Oh, you um, got killed today. I, I did, but I also got <laughs> I, I got killed and, like, people liked it too. But the spate, the spate video, like – I didn't see – so it was the video of, of uh, Wilton Spate to Amara Darbo in Wisconsin game at the end of the game. He dropped it in 45 yards, I think it was. But I didn't – I don't remember Shea Patterson making a ball like that where he – it's a 40-plus yard ball. He drops it in perfectly in stride. In stride, I, like you said – Everybody had to come back to the ball. Everyone came back at me and was like, oh, didn't you see DPJ against Michigan State? Okay, yeah, he threw a 25-yard pass. pass to him. One pass. freaking time. you know. And DPJ had three yards of separation by the time he got the ball. It's like, that's not a hard throw. You should make that throw as a, as a Michigan quarterback 10 times out of 10. So and where, did, where did DPJ catch that ball? Go back and watch it. He doesn't catch it like this. He catches it like here on his shoulder. Yeah. Ball is behind him a little bit. He he just I I I agree with you. Like I think we actually will because of the um experience and decision making, maybe miss Shea a little bit because we've got two new quarterbacks in and they're gonna make some mistakes at the beginning of the season. But I mean, Joe Milton is gonna throw the ball 80 yards. These guys know it. Dylan McCaffrey, I think, can throw it pretty well. So it's like we're going to be all pumped up for the deep ball, and I swear to God, Josh Gaddis, I will be so angry at you. I know he's listening to our podcast right now. He always does. (laughs) (laughs) But I will be so angry with him if we do not throw the ball deep once every four downs, preferably to Nico Collins. (laughs) Collins to Ronnie Bell to Giles Jackson to Mike Sainer still to to Nick Eubanks to uh to uh Roman Wilson to AJ Henning I mean they've got they've got speed they've got wide receivers that can do it you know we um I know you guys are big fans of Brandon Brown I'm not really sure why but um (laughs) but Brandon and I were sitting up in the press box for the Michigan Ohio State game last year and it was the pregame and Joe Milton was standing on the other side of the 50 yard line and he would like roll out to his left and then he would like flick his wrist and throw it across his body and he would throw like this 60 yard dart to the far corner of the end zone and the guy would like catch it and like brandon and i were looking at her going like how what wh- what is that like how does he <laughs> do that he, he's he's incredible he has one of the best arms i've ever seen in my life i compared it when he was in high school watching his film. I know he wasn't incredibly accurate, but I compared it to watching him throw on the run was like watching Aaron Rodgers throw on the run. And wow. people can say like, that's hyperbole. And what are you doing comparing them? Nobody's saying Joe Milton is Aaron Rodgers or is ready to step in, but his arm strength 
is Aaron Rodgers esque. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. You, it's Michael. Can ask, I mean, it's it's something else. You can ask Jack. He'll say it's Pat Mahomes esque. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I, I was going to say. I mean, you're you're def, obviously way closer with uh, Devin Gardner than than we are, and I know he's been working with Joe Milton a little bit. You know, recently, right? Has I mean, has he come out with anything? I mean, kind of. I'm assuming similar things to what you just said. Yeah, I mean, Devin's a big fan of Joe Milton. I mean, he thinks he thinks this guy just give him the opportunity. He's gonna he's gonna run with it because he's got so much. What he says to me all the time is he's got so much freak athletic ability that he's willing to admit that that Joe Milton's a better athlete than Devin Gardner was. Um, he's a different type of athlete than Denard Robinson was. Obviously, like he's not the the runner that Denard was, but he has a better arm. Um, he really just wants to see what this guy could do if you gave him three starts. Now, it was funny because when we were talking about this, he said, look, he's like, I don't know what happens in the Washington game, but if I was the coaches, I would play both these quarterbacks a half in the Ball State and, and Arkansas State games and then let them figure out who's the guy leading up to the uh, Wisconsin game. Now that's completely off the table. All we have are the conference games. So unless Michigan starts the season somehow with Rutgers, Maryland and say Michigan State, um, we're probably not going to see two quarterbacks. We're going to see whoever they think is the best quarterback. Now, who's who's your quarterback? If you're willing to say, I was going to say we got to ask him. I honestly don't. Um, I honestly don't have a pick. I, I don't know who the starting quarterback is. Um, I don't. I don't have a I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care. All I want is a quarterback who's going to be one of the ten best quarterbacks in college football because Michigan hasn't had that since Chad Henney two thousand six. Yeah, maybe Denard Robinson two thousand eleven, but Denard was much more still a runner than a passer. Um, it's been That's a, a non-answer. Come on now, yeah, no, no, <laughs> Jack has flip flopped. He's I been really all over the place. Really don't care. <laughs> I can't be mad at that. He wants a winner, right? I, nobody can argue with that. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our fourth down uh, section here. A little bit of recruiting news. Uh, J.J. McCarthy in the Elite 11, right? I mean, he plays very highly as far as uh, I recall. Um, Ro, I'm not sure if you've been following up on that. You're usually our recruiting guy. No, yeah. I mean, Spath, I think, a little bit more in on the He's recruiting than, than any of us. But <laughs> I have nothing to say in recruiting. If this is fourth down, I got – you guys need – I need a punt. Taking a knee. punting on fourth down. <laughs> because I honestly – football recruiting, like freshman in, in college, football recruiting doesn't interest me at all. And I'll tell you why. Because kids decommit like crazy. Uh, because every kid is hyped up to be the next great thing. J.J. McCarthy has been a five-star, give or take, the entire time that he has been a Michigan commitment. He is, according to a lot of Michigan fans, he's the salvation. You know, if it doesn't work out with Joe Milton, if it doesn't work out with Dylan McCaffrey, if it doesn't work out with Cade McNamara, if it doesn't work out with Dan Villari, if it doesn't work out with um, with Justin Rowe and, and <laughs> Caitlin and Jack, then J.J. McCarthy will save the day for Michigan football. And, and who cares if it's not until 2022 or 2023 – J.J. McCarthy is the, co- the is the Andrew Luck of Michigan football. I, I, I don't care for it. I, I don't care for the way that the, the, the kids are hyped. I don't care for, you know, he's going against high school competition. He's at an elite 11 camp where, I mean, I watched some of the highlights. Did you guys see a uh, 11-man defense that he was that he was thrown against? 
because all I saw of him was throwing passes to wide receivers. Look, you can take any quarterback in college football. You can take Shea Patterson. You can take Dylan McCaff, or you can take um, Will and Spade. Guys, you know what you can do? You can go get John O'Corn and Stephen Threat, and you can throw passes to wide receivers without a defense around. And I'll tell you what, I bet you Stephen Threat and Nick Sheridan and Justin Fagan and John O'Corn and Brandon Peters look damn good throwing against nobody. So for me, Elite 11, what did J.J. McCarthy do? I'm punting because I don't care in the least. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring something up here, and I don't know if anybody's made this comparison yet, though. And I saw some of the film, and obviously he's super talented. I'm not saying that he's not, but I mean we remember Shane Morris, right? He was supposed to be the savior. Ooh, Jack. I'm not I'm not saying ah. that's that's gonna happen, but it, it could happen. Like you said, like people flip flop, things change once they get to college. I don't know. I I I don't think. I think as Michigan fans, and we've done it, we've put him, we've labeled him as a savior. You know, it doesn't work out with, like you said, Michael, it's like if Milton doesn't work out, if McCaffrey doesn't work out, if Filari or McNamara don't work out, we, we know it's going to be J.J. McCarthy. What if that doesn't happen? I don't know. We saw it with Shane Morris. I don't know. Well, if, listen, if we're to the point and neither McCaffrey or Milton work out after all we've talked about them, <laughs> and I'm going to fucking lose it. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Like we've we've been to this point where everybody's the savior and Michigan fans are the kings and queens of putting the backup quarterback or that next guy. He's the guy. Right. It's the same thing as next year is the year. Like if we aren't if we're to the point where we're to 2022 or whatever and neither of these guys have worked out with all the talent that we have, I might. I'm moving to LA. I'll be a UCLA fan or I, I don't know. I got to maybe move continents at this point and just be a premier league soccer fan or something. I suggest, I suggest you move to Winnipeg and you just hold Craig Rose jock. Just <laughs> for you. So I would pay to see that. <laughs> that would, that would be amazing. Dude, that's, that's five road tomato faces right there. Oh God! <laughs> um, you're right though, Justin. If if Joe McCaffrey well, comes if, up with a compliment right after, yeah. <laughs> if Joe Milton, if Caden McNamara, if none of these guys pan out, I mean, you know, I know that the Jim Harbaugh this week on this teleconference said, like, I don't think it's fair to criticize our quarterbacks. We've done this, this, and this. But Larry Foot recently, Brandon Graham recently, every former player I talked to, Sean Crable. Um, uh, James Whitley, who I spoke to recently, Devin Gardner, who I speak to all the time, um, Craig Rowe, Zoltan Mesko, Ruben Riley, every single former player I talk to, I don't even have to steer the conversation. I say, what do you think is Michigan from this Michigan football team? And every single guy says, we just don't have, we haven't had a quarterback for five years. I mean, that's what it is. Like, and you know what? You can't bullshit former players, right? Like former players get it. They understand. And if they said to me, if they said to me, like, you know what, we just haven't had an offensive line for five years, or they said to me, you know what, um, our defensive backfield stinks, they understand it better than anybody. And they have come back every single time to a man. We just haven't had the, we have just haven't had a great quarterback. So, and JJ McCarthy, we trust. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I'm going to, I'll drink to that. I'll just keep drinking. All of us can just keep drinking until <laughs> we, you know, maybe win a big 10 championship or beat Ohio state in the next 27 years. 
Well, then I'm going to need to buy a lot cheaper scotch from now on. So no yeah. shit. <laughs> well, on that happy note, um, I also <laughs> like to move to cover another guy that's hopefully is a lot happier. I know we don't all trust these um, these uh, recruiting agencies, but I'm looking at 24 seven sports. Xavier Worthy has 100 uh, percent crystal brawl to Michigan. He's a four star wide receiver. And in his uh, scouting report from Brandon Huffman, it's comparing him to Deshaun Jackson. Sure. Why not? Great. That's awesome. (laughs) So I'll take that. Hey, Spath, do you think that – so he's he's committing tomorrow at 1 p.m., I believe. Is he coming to Michigan, do you think? Uh, why not? Why not trust the crystal balls? They're all correct about Josh Christopher, so they have oh, these things gosh. right. Yeah, really you stayed just... up all night <laughs> to wait for that and broke yeah. my heart. You know I what? Know. I mean, I, I trust. I work with Sam Webb. I trust Sam Webb. If Sam Webb tells me he's coming to Michigan, then I'll say he's coming to Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Say thanks for coming on, and hopefully we can have you on again. Yeah, anytime. Honestly, I really enjoyed it, and it's it's. I don't know why, but. Um, we've made a lot of we made a lot of fun of, of Justin here, so I'm not sure why that happened. I'm yeah, always that's, been that's for weird, that. weird guys. Yeah, yeah. you you're never invited back, so we'll see you. Later. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. See you later. All right, thanks, thanks Seth. All right, welcome back from our interview with Michael Spath. And guys, I don't know about you, I thought that guy was full of information. I thought he was full of shit. <laughs> I we just I'm telling you we got to get that uh, workout film with you and Craig and just do a like bar school does just kind of follow you around all day track the whole thing it'd be great content as as much as I would like to actually believe I'm as good of an athlete as Craig he would eat me for breakfast so um, <laughs> I am gonna pass on that content unless everyone wants it I mean I'll 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 take one for the team here if if it's good content here. I'd say I'd say a day in the life. Do a day in the life. You got to eat everything he eats. You got to work out the way he works out for the whole day. I mean, that would that sounds brutal. Oh my god! Well, he works out. I think legitimately three times a day. So I'd be dead just from that because I do three workouts of going from the couch to the fridge every day. And <laughs> curls. just only three. Ounce, I, I do a ton of twelve ounce curls though. <laughs> if we did a drinking competition, I would crush him. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we forgot to ask uh, Spath for zero to ninety while he was on. Married um, man, man, he's gonna get in trouble. I, I know the pain. Yeah, it's only been now less you know. than a week, but I know now. <laughs> Real quick, oh, she put the ring on your finger and started laying the law down, right? That, you know, right. I was dying too when Jack texted us earlier asking, "Hey, you guys want to hang out this weekend, just boys?" <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, you've been married. I gotta for... get away. I gotta get away. <laughs> you've been Freedom. married for six days. <laughs> oh god. Oh jeez. Oh, oh, that's that's good stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, let's do our zero to ninety takes. I'm not sure how prepared you guys are this week. Hopefully, somewhat. Does anybody come prepared, or is it going to be just throwing stuff at the wall? I, I think we're throwing feces at the wall at this point. Pretty regular for this show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to go first? I'll go for it. 
<laughs> that was. <laughs> we're all looking at each other like. Uh, oh man! All right, Ro, are you you're ready here? All right, let's go. Your zero to ninety starts now. All right, so it sounds like we're still at a slim chance for football to actually happen, right? Which is sad, sad news. We all want football to happen, but there is a positive side. If football doesn't happen this year, we don't have to see Justin Fields win the Heisman. We don't have to see Ohio State go 12-0, and 13-0, 14-0, 15-0, and win a national championship because they have the best shot. They have probably the best team, best quarterback in the country. So I will Ooh, take no season. There you go. There's your 30 seconds. All right. But I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. That's a glass half full guy right there. I'm trying here. As a Michigan fan who, when we haven't won anything in a while, you have to kind of, you know, get around these, these, uh, these things here and, and look at it somewhat positively. I do. I love the spin you put on that. That was great. <laughs> I mean, anytime I don't have to watch Ohio State win, I'll take that 10 times out of 10. <laughs> All right. Jack, are you ready for your 0-90? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Your zero to 90 starts now. All right. My hot take. It's a personal goal for myself. Next Michigan hockey season, I will be, I will be watching probably 10, 10 to 15 times as much hockey as I do now whenever that season comes up. I'm, I'm going to be a big hockey guy. I'm going to start supporting children of Yoast. And uh, my guy, can't even remember his name. But yes, I'm going to be a hockey fan from now on. <laughs> Billy McCall. Billy McCall, assistant coach. Yes, there we go. All right, there you go. Big he got it over here. Sorry, right, Bill. Got it in under 30 seconds, so. Oh, God. Hey, you know. That's awesome. I, these are I mean, bad. You know, and you better not have a good one this time. But, okay. Yeah, not really. I like it, though, because we're all about having good environments. We talked about it on our last episode, right? We might as well go support the team, the venue that has the best environment. We got to take that in when we can instead of just sitting here complaining. I'm all for it. We're staying positive here. I love it. It's not how this show is supposed to go. After I <laughs> took an absolute beating throughout the entire episode. <laughs> that was entertaining. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Thank When's you, Craig Rowe coming on? <laughs> I know. I want to see Craig on here now. Okay, Craig, Michael, and, and Justin all on uh, all on one episode together. The Rowcast. They'd be sitting there just shitting down my throat for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, Kalen, are you ready? Uh, yeah. All right. I mean, well, I'm not ready, so I need you to slow down here. Are you you ready? Well, I'm not. (laughs) All right, Kalen, you ready? Yeah. Your 0 to 90 starts now. Okay, so I read this article on Sports Illustrated by Pat Fjord about America Realigned, a radical reimagining of the NCAA landscape. And he talks about playing a regional schedule where we are in the great Mideast with Akron, Ball State, Cincinnati, Indiana, Kent State, Maryland, Michigan State, Ohio, Ohio State, Purdue, and Toledo. I want to see that schedule. Uh, that way we can still play MSU, we can still play Ohio State, and then crush a bunch of, a bunch of MAC teams. 
Wow, right at 30 seconds. I, I loved every bit of that until you said Ohio State. I was just going to say the same thing. I was like, oh, my God, we're playing off here without Ohio State. (laughs) Do we want to preserve that rivalry, right? So, yeah, I mean, I get it. I guess, but I'd like to win one. Move it to the beginning of the season. You know what, too? I want to say this on the end. I know, you know, we're past everything, but Notre Dame, get in a conference. Join a conference. If this is all at the point where, you know, it's only conference play, you shouldn't get bailed out by the ACC, the Big Ten, anybody else. This is the time. Join a freaking conference. Don't yeah. play Tulane in week 11. <laughs> I, I know. I wish people were just like, you know what? Fuck you. You're not in a conference. You don't get to play. Not playing. Fuck off. You yeah. have to sign a 10-year deal to join whatever conference you're going to play in, and then you lock them in. That's <laughs> yeah. what they should have done. ACC should have done it. Why? Like, you know, fuck you. They they just the ACC. It sounds like they're just like yeah. If they want to come, we'll let them come in. And it's like, dude, you have the upper hand here. You could say join, and then we'll let you in on this season. Mm-hmm. But whatever, yeah. I'm sick of it. Jack, I'm glad you got our two f bombs in, so we're still PG thirteen. Just don't drop another one. <laughs> yeah, I got you. We'll keep it at two. <laughs> well, good thing it's right Catholic, at the end of the Catholic show. Catholic rules. <laughs> Nobody listens this far anyway. We decided that right. True. Oh, it's an explosion at this point. We're just yeah. we're just talking whatever. We're talking to ourselves right now. After like six times of us screwing up or having bad takes, everyone's like, "All right, delete, delete, unsubscribe." <laughs> By the end of the show, we have like half a listener, and it's my mom. I think half a listener. She's falling asleep. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> All right. If you guys don't have anything else to add, um. I'll just wrap it up here. Uh, check us out at Blue by 90 and check us out on YouTube at Blue by 90 podcast. Um, if you have any hate mail to send us, feel free to send it to our Gmail, uh, Blue by 90 at gmail.com. Um, other than that, go blue. Go blue. Go blue. See you next week. Tell nobody no. Uh, I might put a flexion.